Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205 213-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome to the program. I hope that you're having a joyful and healthy new year, and I'm thankful that you've set aside a few minutes to spend some time with me today. It appears that there are quite a few new listeners in the new year, so I want to welcome you if you're early to the program. And for those faithful followers of the podcast who have spread the word, I just want to say thank you. I don't know if you're in it to stick with it for the year, but I know that I am. I thought about it in December, maybe winding down the program. And I'm really thankful that I just took a few weeks and sat on that because I have so many things that I really want to share with you today and throughout the next couple of months and prayerfully for all of 2023. Today's content, which I think will end up being a short series, has a kind of interesting origin story. I came across a book purely by accident. At least some might describe it that way. I prefer the term providence. But I found myself in a place I was never supposed to be reading a book I was never supposed to find. But I am really glad that I did, and I hope you will be also. So here's the short story on that. It was December 30th, the Friday before Christmas. Both of my brothers and their families were in town. So we had seven kids, ages 4 to 11. And my parents pitched the idea for all of us to head to Marshall, Texas to do some ice skating. Apparently, they had a small little Christmas village set up in town square. So we all agreed to go. My parents insisted on going earlier in the day. So we left our house at about 2 p.m. and we arrived an hour later in the small town square of Marshall, Texas, and it was a ghost town. The skating rink was all pinned up, all of the little mobile shops were closed, and I honestly did not see a single human being. So we parked our several cars there and started walking around. About two blocks off of the main square, we found a little coffee shop. In that shop, we found out that there would be great festivities that day, but they didn't start until 6 p.m., I checked my watch at that moment, and it was 3.12. So we took a vote on whether we should head a half an hour to a bigger city and play putt-putt or something, and the majority wanted to stay. So the 16 of us raided that coffee house. We drank espresso as fast as they could make it. We filled the kids with a combination of wassail and hot chocolate. We kept the kids captive there as long as we could, and then decided we needed to walk around or something. I checked my watch again. It was like 325. So anyway, about a block down, we found a really cool antique store, one of those old town square three-story jobs. There was a unique combination of very fragile antique pieces and some toys for the kids. I snuck up the stairs to the second floor and saw an old conference room on the left and some books. I noticed a large sign that said these were books from a local library and they were all for sale for $3 a piece. So I said to the Lord, Father, I'm going to check out this spiritual section. If there is something that I need, show it to me. I ran my finger down the list of books, and I came across a book with a large word written on the binding. 
it read flashpoints. Now, I know a little bit about flashpoints because of my time in fire training school. Okay, I take that back. I've never gone to fire training school. But I did see the movie Backdraft in the 90s. So I made this connection between fire and heat and passion, picked up the book and went and took a seat. I opened it up and this was the first sentence. Someone once asked Jean Cocteau, the French writer, artist, and film director, what he would take if his house were on fire and he could remove only one thing. He replied, I would take the fire. At that moment, I mouthed in a room by myself under my breath, I don't think I know what that means, but I'm totally buying this book. That is such a cool starter statement, because it really is kind of difficult to decide what he meant by that. I mean, in a practical sense, maybe he's saying, I would take the fire out of my house so it didn't burn up everything. But I think we both know that's not what he meant. This guy is an artist. He's a writer. He's someone who draws from passion. Someone who takes small ideas and makes them into something great. In my view, what he's saying is the most powerful thing in my burning house, the thing that is bright enough and hot enough to affect everything around it, that is what I'm interested in. I would take the fire. Look, it's not critical that you purchase this book, but I would like to read a little bit of those first couple of pages that really drew me in after that. If it begins to resonate with you, then let me take you on a journey through several important concepts. Today, an introduction into spiritual flashpoints. And then using that as a basis, some follow-up episodes over the next several weeks on other categories like financial and physical flashpoints, or even things like your career and your lifestyle. After the opening paragraph, the author goes on in this way, Passion, that fire in the belly, is the catalyst of every vibrant life, whether it's lived in Paris, France, or in small-town USA. It's as vital to the young mother at home as it is the corporate executive. The fire of passion can change a life, and one's passionate life can change the world. Any firefighter will tell you that fire is predictably unpredictable. Under the right circumstances, even a small fire can pose a great danger. If a blaze reaches the flash point, sometimes called the flashover temperature, every bit of combustible material in the room, wood, paper, carpet, drapes, and furniture, will explode into flame. The fire doesn't even have to touch anything in order to spread. A confined blaze will heat the atmosphere in the room until everything in the enclosed space spontaneously ignites. If it can burn... At the flashpoint, it will. If we apply the same principle to the world of ideas, the result is equally explosive. When dormant passions burst into flame and ideas spontaneously ignite, everything within our circle of influence will be changed forever. As frightening and dangerous as a fiery flashpoint can be, a flashpoint of the heart can set the world on fire. Has this ever happened to you? A small fire, a dream, a hope, a desire, smoldering quietly within the confines of your heart, begins to edge toward the flashover temperature. You begin to feel the heat, and as your passion grows, so does your inspiration, motivation, and determination. Suddenly, status quo is no longer satisfactory. You must take action. You won't be content until the flame of your spirit kindles a wildfire in your soul transforming your life and the lives of others. 
The flashpoint occurs when you are compelled to make a change or make a difference, no matter the cost. Some of us, however, are like the sprinkler system in an office building. At the first sign of heat or smoke, natural byproducts of every hot new idea, we've conditioned ourselves to spray cold water on even the barest flame of desire. Maybe that's how we were raised, or maybe it's just plain fear, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you have had a Flashpoint experience, you know how it has changed your perspective. If you have never experienced a Flashpoint and its revolutionary after effects, you can and you will by simply opening your eyes to the opportunities around you. If you refuse, if you choose to stay stuck right where you are, you may miss the fullness of life that God has intended for you. So those were the opening pages and I was hooked. It felt like a total stranger was granting me permission to search my heart for passion, not to then explain why it can't be done or all of the reasons I should fear it or how hard it is to make changes, but to embrace it, to give it room to grow, to ponder what it might mean, to pray about it, to consider if God might be behind it in hopes that maybe it can heat up enough in my heart to reach that flash point where it begins to affect and change me and everything going on around me. If that idea frightens you, it probably should, because the result of this kind of determination is going to put you in very scary and intensely exciting situations. The author went on to tell a series of stories, a couple of which stood out to me. He mentioned Rosa Parks, how she changed the course of our nation because at that flashpoint of insight and anger and persistence, she sat down on that bus believing it would change everything. And that's why she did it. He also told a story about a woman named Georgia Nucci. In 1987, she lost her 19-year-old daughter to hepatitis. And a year later, she lost her son Christopher in a plane crash due to a terrorist attack. She went through all of the grieving and inactivity that you would expect in the months afterwards. But then she reached an important flashpoint. She still had love to give, and she wanted to regain her status as a mother. She and her husband, both in their 40s, decided to adopt a child from Colombia. When they got there, they found four siblings and brought all of them home. Not long after that, she enrolled in law school and got an education so that she could help other families and other children for the rest of her life. I think both of those stories hit on this idea that in times of sorrow or struggle, when you don't know what to do and it doesn't look like anything, status quo related at least is the right thing to do, search your heart for passion. Find that ember, that hot coal that won't go out. Respond to your fear by giving that fire the oxygen it needs to breathe. As reflected in so many stories, the outcome of that flashpoint may take years to fully flesh itself out. But the moment of change can happen in an instant. Something that may have been there for years is asking for the right to take effect. Boy, that last story made me think of David and Dana Carroza. They are the founders of Sacred Selections, an organization that has united over 400 children in adoption with Christian families. If you ask them how it all got started, the first word they would say is God. What they built is physical and observable and interactive, but at its core, their flashpoint was spiritual. It was in their hearts and in their souls. It was backed by and fueled by 
the will of God. They owned a medical lab and frequently had young women come in wanting confirmation of pregnancy documents so that they could go have abortions. They decided to do something about it, a true flashpoint that changed the direction of their lives. It's interesting to hear them talk about it because it wasn't about some extravagant outcome they were forecasting. In fact, they frequently say if we could place four children in Christian homes, all of this would be a success. It wasn't about how far it would go. It was about the fact that it had to get started. They altered their lives that day, have committed the rest of their lives to it, and at this point have changed hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. I could tell you many more stories. In fact, the author of the book, Stephen Arterburn, has a pretty cool story about a unique defining moment when he decided that Christian women around the country needed to have conferences and opportunities to study and learn together. He made a couple of bold phone calls to see if the fire could spread, and it changed the entire trajectory of his life, and to this point has become a positive influence in the lives of somewhere around 3 million women. But I want to turn the attention to you and talk a moment about your spiritual flashpoints. Firstly, let's be clear what we mean by spiritual. We are absolutely attaching all of this to God. As a child of God, our true passion is to use our vessels for the Father. We're not just interested in having amazing ideas and changing the world. We're interested in digging internally into your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength to search for your unique gifts and indelible ideas and your deepest affections and affinity. Not things that have nothing to do with God, and certainly not things that oppose the will of God, but things that you already almost instinctively know will honor God and His purpose for your life. And early step in fanning that flame is to pray about it, to ask God for guidance, providence, and strength. Probably if you're like me, though, the greater challenge isn't, is this a good idea? Will this please God? Usually, it's more like, I know this will please God, and there's no telling how much good it can do. If I will just give in to it, but I'm scared. I'm scared of what it might mean. What if this idea begins to change everything it touches? What if my old comfort zones disappear? What if the fact that I let this out means my life is forever different? But isn't that the thing we're always preaching? Growing, changing, affecting others surrendering our lives to Christ. And don't we have mad respect for people who have done that, who have reached that flashpoint and led to hundreds of adoptions or civil rights movements, democracy in entire countries, or desperately needed evangelism among the impoverished? Somebody says, hey, that's not me. I'm the -the in-the-box guy. I serve God. I work my day job. I love my family. And I would say a couple of positive things about that. If that is the fire in your belly to do those things well, find your flashpoints even in that. But if there is something God is putting in you, has built into you, or is put in front of you that you keep pouring water on because of fear, I'm asking you to pray specifically about those things for wisdom and for courage. Give yourself permission to imagine what could happen If it reached such an intense temperature that everything in you and around you was affected by it, 
If we do some follow-up episodes on this topic, we may look at four different categories. Financial flashpoints, physical flashpoints, as well as career and lifestyle, and maybe some other areas as well. And the reason I bring that up is because the book isn't called Flashpoint. It's not one defining moment that you get for an entire lifetime. You may find yourself experiencing many of these. You may find yourself experiencing them in different specific categories of life, especially if you begin searching for them and give yourself permission to explore them. I think about becoming a Christian. What a flashpoint that was, coming up out of that water, beginning a new walk and a new life. But if you've been a Christian for long and that's the only one you've experienced in your walk as a child of God, you need to get rid of the buckets of water you keep pouring on your soul. From teaching others to charity to hospitality or adoption, things like writing a book or a blog or starting a podcast, name a few things that have been on your heart. Things that have stayed nestled right there because you kind of like your furniture and the drapes over your windows. And if you let this thing out, that all may get burned up to make room for something new. Let me finish by giving you a biblical case study to consider. Do you remember Moses, when he was 40 years old, had this great passion within him to change everything and free his fellow Jews? They rejected him and he left. And 40 years later, God called him to go back and complete the mission. It was a literal flashpoint as Moses came upon a bush that was on fire. God wanted to rekindle something from years past, but Moses had suppressed it and he was full of excuses. I already tried this once before and failed. I am not the guy for the job. Even if I gave it a go, the people won't believe me. Please, God, select someone else. Do you remember how God responded to that? He was angry with Moses. He basically said, look, man, I made you. I made you for this. I made your mouth so I know it can say what pleases me. I will rally you up the support that you need, but you, sir, are doing this. And of course, we know the rest of that story. Don't you wish God would do that for you? Or maybe you don't. Maybe it's totally terrifying to think about but there may be water-doused fires in your heart and you know exactly what they are. You have a hundred reasons why it didn't work before and it won't work now. And while God will not come at you in the way he did Moses, he is ultimately asking you to do the same thing. I want you to trust me. Spiritual flashpoints always start with trusting in the power of God. Ultimately, it is God that starts the fire, fans the flame, and allows your work to change the world. God made you with capabilities probably greater than you've ever imagined or explored. If God favors your flashpoint and the fires around you, it will cause. He will help you. He will guide you. He will surround you with the support that you need. I would like to conclude with a word or two about that support. If there is something that means a lot to you and you pursue it and God blesses it and others are affected and brought in, that is wonderful. But what I'm asking you to find within yourself, be it something related to your effect on your family or the church where you worship or the world around you, it will affect others, but it is not dependent on others. Moses could have done all of this without Aaron's assistance if he had had the faith to do so. God chose to bring Aaron into the mix for Moses' good and to help carry out God's will effectively. 
But once Moses knew that this was his mission, he didn't go around trying to recruit everyone. It's interesting, when he asked his father-in-law Jethro if he could go, he said, hey, I just want to go back and see if everybody's doing okay. He didn't pour out his bucket about everything that had happened and expected Jethro to hop on board. This wasn't Jethro's fire. It was Moses. Just be mindful of that as you go throughout this year. Look for support wherever God provides it. But we're talking about things that mean so much to you, that you feel so compelled by God to do, that you would do it all by yourself, if that's what was needed. It's incredible how often that kind of individual compassion and integrity actually ends up drawing in and blessing a great number of people. So listen, I'm not here to tell you to embark on New Year's resolutions, things that you believe you're supposed to do. I'm more interested in the things that if you would listen to your heart, you would determine that you must do. You feel compelled to no matter what. So be prayerful about, attentive to, and excited for your spiritual flashpoints. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.